Last week, it was the unforgivable sin. And this week, the question is, did Jesus really say we have to hate our parents? Did Jesus really say that? Well, spoiler alert, uh, yes, he did. He did say we have to hate our parents. Uh, but before we get on to that in detail, um, I've got a little quiz for you. Got a few quotes here. So, uh, anybody know who said, I was always the best athlete? People just don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> it was indeed <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> what about our air traffic control is from a different planet? Our air traffic control is from a different planet. Anybody know? Any guesses? Donald Trump. <laughs> yep, yep. Our air traffic control is from a different planet. Uh, what about this one? No one obeys the speed limit except a motorized rickshaw. No one obeys the speed limit except a no motorized rickshaw. Anybody? Not Donald Trump this time. No, it was, in fact, Boris Johnson. Oh, nice. Nice. Well done. Uh, what about uh, we're voting to be hostages locked in the back of the car and driven headlong towards deeper EU integration? Farage, Boris Johnson, Nigel Gove, uh, Michael Gove, Michael Gove, Michael Gove. Um, I'm smarter than all of them put together, but they simply can't admit it. Trump again? <laughs> If I told you once, I've told you a million times, tidy your room. <laughs> Everyone, no, uh, actually that was my mum. <laughs> and this is two years ago at her 90th birthday. Ah, <laughs> uh, probably got a couple more here. My chances of being a PM are about as good as the chances of finding Elvis on Mars or me being reincarnated as Nolive. Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. So uh, why, why am I showing you all these quotes? <laughs> That's the question. Why am I showing you these quotes? They're examples of hyperbole or deliberate exaggeration, right? These are unbelievable quotes, but the people, politicians mostly, uh, using exaggerated language just to get a point across, uh, not to be taken literally, uh, maybe with Donald Trump, Sometimes he does expect you to take it literally. Uh, but generally speaking, this is exaggeration to make a point. Now, there are not probably many talks where Jesus gets likened to Donald Trump or Boris Johnson. And uh, there aren't many similarities. <laughs> but it is true that Jesus uses hyper hyperbole as well. A lot of the time, actually, if you read through when Jesus is talking to people, he uses hyperbole. And it's important for us to understand when he's using hyperbole and why he is using hyperbole, why he's using this kind of exaggeration. So th this is what we're going to look at. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. Th these are the first few verses. So large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he says, 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yeah, even your own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. How do you feel hearing those words? It's all right, isn't it, when we're talking about love and forgiveness, fullness of life, freedom, all of those things, you know, mercy. They're great. Make you feel really good, right? But what about this? It's really not quite so comfortable, is it, to read words like this? At least not for me. I don't know about you. <laughs> we need to understand maybe the context a little bit here. First of all, it talks about these crowds that are following Jesus. If, if you go back a chapter into chapter 13 of Luke, what he tells you is that Jesus is working his way towards Jerusalem, where the climax is going to happen, right? A lot of the crowds actually think that he's going to overthrow the Roman Empire at that point. They're expecting the Messiah who's going to rescue them from the Romans. But he's going through towns and villages, and he's teaching and he's performing miracles, and he's doing healings. And so he's getting this crowd of people that are following him, perhaps thousands of people that end up following him. And what Jesus wants to work out in this crowd of people that are following him, who's going to be his disciple? He doesn't just want people following him, he wants disciples. And when we talk about disciples, probably the closest English word we have for that is apprentice. Somebody who's going to learn and put it into action. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's looking at this huge crowd of people and he wants to sift the crowd. He wants to find out who amongst them actually has what it takes to become his disciple, his apprentice. And so he's challenging them. He wants to know who's going to take on God's kingdom. Who's going to take on God's values. To put others first. To serve and not be served. So he's got some tough talk for them. To work out. Being in a crowd and following Jesus is not the same as being a disciple. We sometimes think of Jesus a bit like a populist politician, to keep with the theme. <laughs> and our politicians promise us all sorts of things. If we vote for them, then our standard of living is going to be better. We're going to have a better police force on the streets. We'll be able to walk in safety. Things are going to be good for us. We're going to have a good life. We're going to get what we want. We're going to get what we need. Sometimes we think of Jesus and God a bit like that. All we have to do is say, yeah, I want to follow you. 
and everything should turn out well. But what happens when it doesn't? The partner that we thought we were going to marry, but we end up splitting from. The job that we thought we were going to have, but we don't get. The healing that we thought would come, but doesn't. And if we think of God just as a, a vending machine, we say, well, what went wrong? I prayed for it. I believed you for it. I asked you for it. And you didn't come through for me, God. But that's not what it's about, is it? Not what following Jesus is really about. Jesus is making it clear. He's calling us to his vision. To God's kingdom, not the way of the world. So what does Jesus say? He says you've got to hate your father and mother and brother and sister. And you know, that, those are words that would just shock these crowds of people following him, right? They were all Jews. They were Jews that <laughs> knew their Old Testament. You know, it's one of the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, and we looked at this just recently. You know, honor your father and mother, then you will live long in the land. And Jesus turns to them and says, you've got to hate your father and mother, your brother and sister. Gets your attention, doesn't it? And then he says, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross. Now, they were living under Roman rule where crucifixion was commonplace, but everybody would have been more than well aware of the agony and torture of crucifixion. And Jesus says, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. These are hard, hard words. He's talking about love and hate. And it's hyperbole and it's deliberate exaggeration to really grab their attention, really make them understand what point he's trying to get across. And we use the same words ourselves. You know, I happen to be one of those people that love Marmite. I know that's a little bit controversial. <laughs> Didn't realize I was going to get lynched by that, but <laughs> <laughs> I, do. I, I love Marmite. Um, I also happen to love my wife. <laughs> but the, exactly, the thing is, if I love Debbie in the same way as I love Marmite, then probably our marriage is in a bit of trouble, right? <laughs> On the other hand, <laughs> I hate goat's cheese. But I also hate oppression and injustice. But not in the same way, right? So, you know, Jesus is using these words to get across some really important truths. You with me? He's using exaggeration and he's using words where you have to think a little bit about what's going on, what he's saying. But really, he's, he's focusing in on two of the things that we often place our allegiance with, right? Firstly, family. And what he's saying to them is, where is your first allegiance? Is it going to be to me and my father, 
Or is it going to be to your family? And he's not saying you have to hate your mother and father and brother and sister. But he's saying in comparison to what I want from you, your allegiance to me and my father, in comparison to that, you know, your allegiance to your family has got to be way down the list. Way down the list. And that's pretty tough talking. You know, at that time, family was so important. I mean, it's still important for us now. Probably not quite so important in our culture as it was then. Family, an extended family, you know, grandparents, the tribe that you came from, these were really important things. They were what gave you identity, what gave you security. And Jesus is saying, don't look at that. Don't look at that for your identity and for your security. Look at me. I've got to be first. And you know, that's difficult, isn't it? Really, it's difficult. Because, you know, I, I'd do anything for my kids. And Jesus is saying, you've got to love me more than your children. Wow. And he's not saying, don't love your children. But what he's saying is, uh, are you going to love the possessions and the people I've given you to look after? Are you going to love them more than the person that's given them to you? What comes first? And then he says, yeah, you've got to love me more than yourself way more than yourself. And we live in this self-centered world where everything revolves around ourselves and the self-fulfillment that we can achieve, the job that we do, our status. And Jesus calls us out and he says, what comes first? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be my Father that has given you everything that you have? Is that going to come first? Because anything else is going to be a dead end. If we think our identity, our worth, our value is in family, in our spouse, in our friends, in pleasure, in self-fulfillment, in the job that we do, in the possessions that we have, anything else, it's just going to be a dead end. Where do we get our sense of self-worth and fulfillment? And Jesus says, are you prepared to give that up? To show allegiance to me first and foremost. Doesn't matter if you lose your job. Doesn't matter if your family and friends fall apart in front of you. Doesn't matter if life takes you down incredibly difficult paths. If I'm with you, you've got everything you need. Tim Mackey is a, a pastor and theologian, American pastor and theologian, and uh, he puts it like this. He's, he says... Jesus isn't a politician. He is not a politician that makes us all these promises about what we are going to be able to have right now. All the nice things that we might want right now. 
nice life, wealth, happiness, good standard of living, safety, etc., etc. He says it's not like that. He said Jesus is much more like a skilled mountain guide because Jesus knows that we're in difficult territory. We're in difficult territory. We are living in the world and his kingdom is not yet fully realized. We're living in the world and Jesus is the only person that can guide us and lead us through. And he says, this is going to be difficult. This is tough. Because my father's values, my father's kingdom is not the kingdom of this world. It's completely upside down. It's going to be difficult if you place your allegiance in me, if you let me be your guide, it's not going to be easy. There are going to be tough choices to make. But I can lead you down the right path. I can avoid the dead ends for you. I can avoid the paths that will lead to real danger for you. If you trust me to be your guide, we can get there. It will be difficult. He even tells them, you know, if you follow me, some of you may lose your lives. It's not going to be easy. But take on my values. Follow me because I'm the one person you can trust. Because I've got your long-term future, your long-term safety in my mind not just short-term pleasure so he has our very best interests at heart he wants to bring us into the fullness of god's kingdom not short-term comfort and enjoyment but true life as our mountain guide he wants to lead us where we really need to go if we give our allegiance to anything else or anyone else, ultimately that's going to result in us going down false paths. And it's going to lead to disaster. Any other allegiance has to be secondary. But briefly, Jesus knew full well that this was going to be difficult. These are the next few verses that follow on. Jesus says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. When you first sit down, try and work out what it's going to cost for you to do that. Have you got enough money to complete it? Because if you lay the foundation and you're not going to finish it, then everyone who sees it, they're just going to ridicule you. You're going to say, this person began to build a tower, but they couldn't manage to finish it. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. When you first sit down... Consider whether he is able to win the war. He's got 10,000 and the enemy has 20,000. If he's not able to win the war, he'll send out a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good but if it loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again 
It's fit for neither the soil nor the manure pile. It's thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Still using hyperbole, isn't he? You know, he talks about building a tower. He's not talking about, you know, just building a fence around your garden. He's talking about building a tall tower. He's talking about going into war. 10,000 people against 20,000 people. He's talking about salt losing its flavor. When does salt ever lose its flavor? He's still talking in exaggerated terms to get across the point. Now, this is not going to be easy for you. This is not going to be easy. Turning your back on the way of the world and following Jesus is not going to be easy. If we turn our back on the ways of the world, if we take on God's values, we will be at war with the world. We will be in a battle with the world and with Satan. And that battleground is not going to be comfortable for us. Jesus says, choose the narrow path. Follow me. If you want to be my disciple, it is going to hurt. It's going to be difficult. But follow me because I know the path. He says, you need to count the cost. You need to count the cost. But Jesus knows that even when we count the cost, we're still going to come up short. None of us can do the right thing all of the time from the right heart, can we? And Jesus knew that well enough. He says, count the cost. This is going to be difficult for you. Following me is going to be difficult at times. But he knew that we'd come up short, even when we count the cost. We're going to come up short. What he wants is for us to come to him and say, yeah, I counted the cost. Thought I could make it. Thought I could put you first. But I've stumbled again. Stumbled again, and I come to the foot of the cross. And I want to be your disciple. I want to be your apprentice. Honestly realizing that we just can't do it without him. We just can't do it. And then in that space, in that space where we come and we just say, Jesus, I can't do this. That's when Jesus comes and says, now you're ready. Now you're ready to be my disciple, to be my apprentice. Lay down your life. Put me first. Take a hold of my hand. I'm going to lead you. It may be tough, not going to promise it's going to be easy. But take my hand and we're going to get there. 